And what I want to remind you of today is this, that you were made for a mission. You were made for a mission. Uh, God is at work in this world, and he wants you to join him. Uh, Last week we saw how God wants you to have a ministry in the body of Christ. Uh, The third symbol of our logo, uh, to serve Christ's church. But he also has a mission for you in the world. So our ministry is our service to believers. Uh, Our mission is our service to unbelievers. And that's really the point of our fourth mark of Christian discipleship, to go and make disciples. And so what I want to do today is three things. Firstly, I want to prove that you do have a mission. Secondly, I want to show you how that mission is working itself out here at Charlotte Chapel. And thirdly, I want to urge you to give your life to uh, your God-given purpose. So that's the three things I want to do today. So firstly, I want to prove to you that you do have a mission. Just in case there's any doubt there, just in case there's any uncertainty. Um, When we say mission, what do we mean? Well, the Christian word mission comes from the Latin word sending, sent. And uh, being a Christian includes being sent into the world as a representative of Jesus. At the end of John's Gospel, uh, in chapter 20, Jesus said this to his disciples, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What an amazing statement that is. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The Father God had a mission that he wanted his son to complete. And so he sent his son into the world to complete this mission. What is the mission? The mission was to bring, uh, change people from being enemies of God to being friends with God. And that's something that he uniquely achieved in his death upon the cross, where he died in the place of sinners, so that rebels and enemies of God could be reconciled to God, that they could be forgiven of their sins and restored into relationship with him. And and amazingly, what Jesus says is, as the Father has sent me into this world with this mission of reconciling enemies to be friends of God, so I am sending you to do exactly that same mission. To go to those who are enemies of God. And the Bible's clear that we all start actually by nature as enemies of God. To go to enemies of God and tell them how they can become friends of God by putting their trust in what Jesus has done in his saving death for them upon the cross. And as they put their trust in Jesus and submit to him as their king, they are part of the family of God and enemies become friends. As the Father has sent me into the world, so I am sending you, Jesus tells his disciples. And each Christian is part of this mission. His saved people become his sent people. When he saves us, he sends us on this mission. Uh, Each Christian is called to be part of this mission. So let's think of another famous text. It's clear from Matthew chapter 28, isn't it? You can read that in page 1001 in the church Bibles, Matthew chapter 28. And and this is what it says at the end of Matthew's gospel account, verse 18. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why should we be involved in this mission? Well, look who it is who's commanding us. Verse 18, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, has authority to send us, does he not? Verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is the one that Daniel prophesied about, that we just read about a moment ago, that Martin read to us. The Son of Man to whom God, who's described as the Ancient of Days, the one that, that God gives authority, glory, sovereign power, so that all peoples and nations of every language should worship him. He is the king uh, who has an everlasting rule in a kingdom that will never be destroyed, says Daniel. And Jesus is that one. It is that one who has authority to send us on his mission. It is that one who commands his disciples to conduct this mission. It is, notice, a command. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commandment that he's sending us on. And if you're part of God's family, then God's mission is mandatory, and to ignore it is, well, it's disobedience. And what is the command? Well, in English, it's a bit confusing. It looks like there's lots of things. But actually, in the original language, there's uh, just one main thing that we're supposed to do. And uh, it's one word in the Greek, but it's translated with two words here. Make disciples. Make disciples. All the other statements actually fit around that. As you go, going, make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. And in the first century, of course, uh, they had a lot of going to do to, uh, to begin to head out into all the nations. And believe it or not, the task is still not finished, which is why uh, in a couple of weekends we're having a special Go Global conference on the Saturday and Sunday. So please come along because actually uh, the, the statement here, all nations, is all ethnic groups. And there's still uh, some thousands of ethnic groups are still not have not been reached with the gospel. So the task is still unfinished. But more of that in a couple of weeks. We're called to make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Little side note, this is one of the earliest mentions of, in a sense, the, the, the doctrine of the Trinity so clearly put. One name, three persons, baptized in the name of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what else about making disciples? We'll make disciples by teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is not just merely about um, education and head knowledge. It's about teaching people to learn how to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's the essence of what discipleship is about. So here is the final command of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew's gospel. It's clear, isn't it? Make disciples of all nations. And do you see how this commission 
uh, has to be for every follower of Jesus. It's not just the first disciples. It's not just the apostles that this is written to. It's not just to special people like pastors or evangelists or missionaries. See, if discipling involved teaching others to obey everything that Jesus commanded, what does that include? Well, it includes Matthew 28, doesn't it? To go and make disciples. That's part of the everything that Jesus taught. We are called to play our part in helping others um, be instructed about the Lord Jesus. To, to teach them how they can repent of their sins and put their trust in him. And to teach them how to learn to obey all that he has taught. In educational theory, they have this uh, phrase called transformational learning. And that's really what's being spoken of here. That we engage in transformational learning that helps others to be transformed learners of the Lord Jesus themselves. That is the essence of discipleship. And look at that great promise of verse 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't that a great promise? It's, it's wonderful that it's a promise of the presence of the Lord Jesus. But actually that promise of his presence is the, is the promise of his empowering grace. That he is there to uh, enable us to fulfill this great commission. But look how long this promise is good for. How long is it good for? Always to the very end of the age. Now, this is clearly not just for the first apostles, is it? Here we are 2,000 years on. And this promise is still true for us. He still promises to go with us as we engage in this task of making disciples of all nations. To be saved by Christ is to be sent by Christ on his mission. You were made for a mission. Christ in all his risen authority and power, guess what? He's sending you. He's sending me. And so there's no part of this world where he's not Lord. Uh, you can paddle up the river Ganges and anywhere you get out, Jesus will be Lord there. You, you can paddle up the Amazon and, and step out. And, and anywhere you step out, he is Lord there. Uh, you, can, you can paddle into uh, uh, the Firth of Forth. And he's Lord of Fife. And he's Lord of the Lothians. He is Lord of every person here in Edinburgh. And you know what? There is salvation found in no other name under heaven. There's no other name by which we can be saved than through the Lord Jesus Christ and it's our privilege really and it's our responsibility to share the good news of Jesus with people to instruct them about who he is and what he has done so they too can have an opportunity to follow him and become his disciple as well now is that clear is that is that any anyone want to disagree with that you can talk to me afterwards if I've not convinced you yet uh, I, I think that there's lots of great arguments to show that this mission is for every single believer in the Lord Jesus. Now, I want to show you, secondly, how is that happening here at Charlotte Chapel? How is that taking place? Well, let me tell you about uh, Vivian's story. I do so with her permission. Um, uh, Vivian is the sister of David Wilson, and about... 
20 years ago, he began to invite her to come to Charlotte Chapel. And so over about a 20-year period, off and on, Vivian came to Charlotte Chapel, uh, pretty much thinking that she was a Christian. It was at the funeral of Rena Fairley that they sang this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, and the thought just stuck in Vivian's head, Is it well with my soul? And she realized she didn't really have the clear answer to that question, and so she, she signed up for Christianity Explored. And uh, during that time, she became a Christian. Became a Christian in 2013. Uh, in obedience to the Lord Jesus, she got baptized. And uh, you'll see her quite often on a, on a Sunday out in the welcome desk, welcoming people, serving the Lord. And, uh, you know, she's busily showing her hope in Christ in her day-to-day life. This is kind of the come-and-see approach. Love and care for people. Pray for them. Invite them to come. Invite them to come to church. Invite them to come to a guest event uh, that the church is putting on. Now, the thing that often holds us back, I think, as a church, is that we get it into our heads that, well, people will never come. We, 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 we get into a negative frame. We say, well, there's no point asking because people are going to say no. What's the point? And so we never open our mouths. We never, we never invite because we get ourselves into a frame. Say, well, they, they won't come. They won't come. They won't be interested. Well, there's a couple of bits of, uh, of information, a couple of studies that challenge that. There was a recent Barna study of um, Scotland. Uh, it's just come out this year. And it found that 51% of the population considered themselves Christians. of the population had a favorable impression of the Christian faith. 69% believed having a church in their community was a a favorable thing. And an incredible stat, 17% of the population said that they had accepted Jesus as their savior and had made a personal commitment to him that was still important in their life. Now, most of the ministers I spoke to at the launch of this in Edinburgh did not believe that figure at all. But... Uh, you know, lots of other studies have said it's more like 2 to 5%. But what I would say to you is that we should be encouraged that actually the majority of Scotland views Christianity positively and not negatively. And so we've got it in our heads, you know, everyone's against us, nobody likes us, uh, there's no point asking, they won't be interested. Well, actually, this study should encourage us to say, no, actually, there's a lot of people who've got quite a positive attitude to the Christian church. have got quite a positive attitude to the Lord Jesus. And so it shouldn't, we shouldn't have that mindset. shouldn't be frightened of asking. Uh, Dave Bennett, uh, who I think works for the Pocket Testament League, did a study for his masters of 382 adults and how they became Christians as adults. Uh, they'd all become Christians as adults, and this, he sort of surveyed them. What were the factors? What, what, what went into their story? 92% of them had a relationship with a Christian before becoming a Christian themselves. And 86% of them said it was that one relationship with a Christian that was, that was really significant to them in becoming a Christian. The most significant evangelistic activity, according to this study, as they surveyed these people, first of all, was prayer. Each of these people 
had, knew of somebody that had been praying for them. The second most fruitful thing was invitation. That somebody invited them to come actually to a regular church event. It wasn't even a special church event. It was a regular church. Someone, had, someone that they trusted had invited them to church. And that was the second most effective factor in, in that grouping of people uh, becoming Christians. So what do we learn from that? Well, we need to learn that we need to keep praying for people and keep inviting people. Uh, don't become weary in invitation. And, you know, if, if you invite someone and they say no, don't be devastated. It just might be that it's an inconvenient time. Say, oh, I'll invite you some other time then. Uh, we spent the summer with uh, our, our good friends from America, Russ and Lisa. And I think I've said this story before, but Russ was invited by his neighbor to go to church with him over a hundred times. Almost every Sunday, out by the dumpster, uh, they would talk about the day. They were putting their garden waste into this dumpster. And he said, well, tell me about your day. Oh, I had a great day. Went to church. We learned so much. Would you, would you like to come to church with me? No, no, I'm not interested. He did this for maybe two years. Probably about 100 invites. And finally, um, Russ went, okay, I'll come to church with you. And he and his wife became Christians following on from that invitation. I asked him, did it annoy you when your neighbor kept inviting you? And he said, not really. I just thought it was really important to him that, that, I wanted to, that he wanted me to go to church with him. I just made me realize that he thought it was important. Here we are, 100 times. Uh, notice too from Vivian's story, it can take time. 20 years of coming off and on. Isn't that incredible? 20 years and the penny didn't drop. But then one day it did. Um, in Bennett's study, 86% said that becoming a Christian was a gradual process. And 58% of those said that within that gradual process, there was a sudden experience. And so the average time it took people in this sample to become Christians was two and a half years for women, three years for men, and it can take up to 20 years as we've just seen. And so what we learn from that, well, a commitment to friendship really matters. And um, we shouldn't be dismayed if someone comes and doesn't become a Christian the first time. Sometimes we get so invested in bringing someone and the gospel was clear and they walk away and they're not interested. We think, oh no, don't, 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 don't be despairing. Keep inviting them. Keep investing. Keep praying. Keep loving. Keep caring for them. People are starting further and further back in their understanding of the Christian faith. It can take time. Another discipleship pathway in our church is kind of the care and serve. If that's the come and see, the next one is care and serve. So let me tell you about Cornell's story. Uh, Cornell is a Hungarian architect. He came to Edinburgh to, to get some work. And somehow somebody told him about um, our free English classes at the International Cafe that happens on a Thursday night. Uh, Eric and Emma and others help run this so that there's two hours of free English classes and afterwards there's an optional Bible study. So they say, look, you're free to go, but if you want to stay around, we're going to study the Bible together. And many do. Cornell did. And the more he learned, he was interested, intrigued him, and um, got involved too with the uh, International Fellowship on a Friday night. Got to know people who were very friendly and welcoming. 
uh, one of them started doing one-to-one with him, and um, he became a Christian in January. It was great, very exciting. We had, we had Cornell for Christmas Day lunch. He wasn't a Christian. In a few weeks, he was a Christian. Brilliant. What a lunch. Eh? No, it wasn't the lunch. It wasn't the lunch. It was other things. Um, and then he got baptized uh, back in April, and he's currently thinking about membership at the church. So do you see, this care and serve is another way that we have a discipleship pathway in this church as we care for people's needs. Uh, and so, you know, we have international students coming and they want to improve their English so that they can uh, get jobs and move on and fit in with the culture better. Uh, and the international fellowship work finds a great place of friendship of people who are also internationals who are coping with coming into a new culture. And that loving environment provides a great forum for helping people to feel connected, part of a community, and also help them to know about our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. This, this story, I think, illustrates, too, the importance of a warm welcome. Uh, the, the important role that we can play as a church to greet strangers. Greet people who look different to us, with different skin colors to us. It's so significant, that welcome. The world can be a very unfriendly place. And so we should be very countercultural to be those who welcome. And in a sense, our first thought when service is over is to find someone new to greet and welcome before we mesh in with our friendships. And there's other ways that people engage in the care and serve in our fellowship. There's people involved with the care van that goes out and provides soup uh, for homeless people. We, we help uh, put on um, night shelters in partnership with Bethany uh, over the winter. A few months ago, um, a man was here. Uh, I greeted him. I said, you know, what brought you here? He said, well, the last time I was here, I was homeless and I slept in this building uh, as part of the care shelter, and I wanted to come back and see what was going on. It's wonderful, isn't it? Uh, I'm excited to hear about those who are seeking to think of ways that we can care for Syrian refugees. Um, I'm hearing some exciting ideas about uh, how we can help strengthen marriages uh, by uh, running courses for people who've just had children, because often uh, that's a time when there can be real tension in a marriage, and and, and uh, uh, there's a person in our church, Ann Nash, who wants to play a part in, in, in helping strengthen those people in that situation. I'm excited about these ways that we can care and serve for people's needs, which will be a real blessing to them. And perhaps it may even be an opportunity also for them to connect with the hope that we have through the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, uh, we've had come and see, care and serve. There's another way, uh, the go and tell. Uh, Andy Amos story. I didn't get Andy's permission for this. Uh, where are you, Andy? Where are you? Did I see you? I see his wife somewhere. Anyway, I'm sure he wouldn't mind. Uh, so, <laughs> Andy, um, Andy was, didn't come from a Christian family, but there was a, somebody running Scripture Union in his school. And through attending that and starting attending the summer camps, which he loved and he looked forward to, he became a Christian. And friends invited him to Charlotte Chapel. And through the youth activities and friendships and YPM and stuff, he's been discipled and grown his faith, got baptized, became a member, and is obviously serving and uh, witnessing in his life. There are people who will not come to this church and who don't know anyone who's, 
who will invite them. And so we need to be those who head out of here praying and looking for opportunities to connect with others and to tell them something about the Lord Jesus. And it's great to hear about those involved with SU groups, but it's also just generally as we head out into life, uh, head out into our workplaces and, and realize that the Lord has put us into particular neighborhoods and a particular network of relationships. And as members of Charlotte Chapel, we should be ready to share our faith with people. The easiest thing to do, of course, is to tell something about your life story. Uh, be ready to share why you're a Christian, how you became a Christian, what was life like before, what, how has Jesus changed your life. But we should be prepared, too, to share the gospel with someone. It doesn't have to be complicated. You could memorize a gospel verse like John 3.16. Most people know John 3.16, don't they? For God so loved the world, gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm glad I remembered that. That would have been embarrassing, wouldn't it, if I... But, you know, get a gospel verse in your mind and, and practice maybe padding it out a bit of how you could share it. Oh, I've got such good news. You know, the, the God who made you, he loves you. And um, the sad thing is that we've not loved him back. By and large, we've, we've, we've ignored him. He's not significant in our lives. And the Bible says that because of that, we're separated from him and we're in danger of perishing. But here's this wonderful good news that God so loved us, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, who was fully God and fully man. And he came and he died upon a cross to, to pay the price uh, for our sins and so that we could be forgiven, so that we, when we put our trust in him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. See, that's quite easy, isn't it? Um, if you struggle to remember things, uh, you could uh, get a little gospel leaflet. And have that in your, in your jacket or in your, your bag, if you're a woman, or whatever, or man bag, if you're a man. And you could, you know, give, give them a leaflet about the gospel. And if you've got a smartphone, you can, you can download the gospel on a smartphone. There's a great uh, gospel presentation called Two Ways to Live. And, and it's free. You can get it on your phone. You go, well, so you get an opportunity. Let me tell you something. And show them, tap through the gospel and share that with them. Wonderful. What opportunities there might be as we head out this week with our neighbors and our friends. You can invite people to read the Bible with you. Maybe they don't want to come to church, but maybe they'd be interested to see what the Bible has to say. Well, we've got this wonderful material, the Word One-to-One. Two little books. You give them one book, you have one book, you just read it with them. And they work through John's Gospel. There are lots of different ways that we can go and be prepared to tell the good news about Jesus. Another significant pathway in this church is uh, really for parents. Um, Your children are your mission field. It's really a combo of come and see, go and tell, care and serve, all rolled into one, isn't it? It's the whole lot. Uh, Craig's story, brought up uh, in a Christian family here at Charlotte Chapel, brought along maybe sometimes dragged along, I don't know, brought along to church, involved with Sunday school and scouts and activities and stuff like that. He decided it wasn't for him, stopped coming. And he got challenged by his parents and invited back. He came back and he became a Christian. 
got baptized in 2014. Now that's probably the pathway for many, many people, isn't it? Something like that was my story, I guess. Parents, our, our first duty is to disciple our children. It's more important than giving them a great education, taking them on nice holidays, letting them be fun, wonderfully developed as musicians, or that they come to know Jesus. Most important thing. And then partner with our church. We've got lots of things happening with this church to help you disciple your children. So as we think about these different pathways that are happening here at Charlotte Chapel, uh, this mission is both uniquely personal and also joyfully corporate. See, God has, all, has put us all into a very specific, unique context with, with different networks of family and friends and neighbors and hobbies and interests. And there are people for whom you are the only Christian contact. There are. There's not many of us, despite those stats. And you are the only Christian that they know. And Christ has called us to prayerfully engage in his mission of seeking to disciple these people. None of these people in your life are there by accident. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you to engage with these people. So pray for them. Be good friends to them. As you have opportunity, share something about the Lord Jesus with them. But wonderfully, he's put us in this church family, hasn't he? So there's, there's, there's unique, uh, a unique mission for each one of us, but also he's put us in a church family where we're called to engage in this mission together. We all have different gifts, different talents, different abilities, so that collectively, together, we can be a family on mission to reach this city. I'm so encouraged to be part of this family to engage this city. We can do and achieve things together that we could never do on our own. And I've seen it year after year at, at, the, at Charlotte Chapel. It's one of the things that excites me about Charlotte Chapel. So Charlene's story. There's Charlene. Um, you can go on the website. You can hear her sharing something of her story by video. She actually had initial Sunday school experience, but then kind of wandered far away from a sort of a Christian way of living. And... Um, just happened to be walking down the street one day when the Words Alive event was on. We, we, for a couple of years, we hosted a Bible exhibition here called Words Alive, and we opened the doors uh, throughout the whole week, put on a Bible exhibition, put lots of different events on, and, and, and there were you know, hundreds of people involved with this. People flyering, people welcoming, people doing the cafe, people who had written the uh, Bible presentation, who had put it together and constructed it, people who were involved in the cafe, people who were there to welcome and have conversations. We had drama events, music events, we had uh, debates, we had lots of different things. And all of this uh, was, was, was the family working together and it just so happened that Charlene walked down the street one day saw the Bible exhibition and thought, actually, I want a Bible, came in, got given a Bible, took it home, put it on a shelf for six months, and six months later, took it down and started investigating what the Bible had to say. And God, uh, using his word, brought it under conviction of her own sin. She put her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And I'll never forget the Sunday she walked in and she said to me, I've just become a Christian, what do I do next? Well, that's nice, isn't it? 
That's a great start to the day, I think. I said, oh, that's wonderful, great. And so people um, invested in her life, one-to-one. She was involved with uh, Time Out and various things, but she be, she, she's been growing in her faith. She got baptized here. She's a member here. She's here this morning. All these people are here this morning, I think. I think maybe Andrew's not. I think he's working uh, just as well because he didn't get his permission for his story. But isn't that wonderful? Sunday by Sunday, all people serving in different ways enable the doors to be open so they can welcome people. And collectively, we work together week in, week out as a church body, as a family on mission to reach the lost and to see people introduced to the Lord Jesus so they can put their faith in him and trust in him and be saved and so that these can um, engage, uh, once they've got saved, be realizing that they're, they're sent by Jesus too. Now our elders are seeking to shepherd the congregation uh, to go and make disciples are Andy Amer on local mission, um, Eric Thompson on global mission, and Meryl McHoney on church planting. You pray for these guys, they seek to build teams and lead us in these areas. So here's my challenge to you. How are you involved? How are you involved? In your unique mission, who are the people that God has put into your life? And are you praying for them? Are they on your prayer list? Are you praying for them to become a Christian? Are you looking for ways to spend time with them? Are you being good friends to them? Are you inviting them to do fun things with you? Have you invited them to a Christmas event or an Easter event or just any church service, actually? Are you, are you prepared? Are you ready to share your life story? Are you prepared and ready to share the gospel? How are you involved with our church family on mission? Uh, once a month on a Sunday evening, we have our church at prayer. That's where it begins, praying together. He's the Lord of the harvest. And we should pray to him and seek his power and enabling, seek his grace to be at work in the life of our church. And as we come Sunday by Sunday, are we welcoming new people, people who look different to us? Don't just talk to friends. Walk across the room and meet a stranger. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is... Nice to meet you. Tell me about yourself. What's brought you here today? Introduce them to your friends. Do you know what? This is why you are on earth. Do you know that? This is why we are here. And I want to urge you to to live your life purposefully to glorify God. You are here to know and love God. That's worship. You're here to love God's family. That's fellowship. You're here to grow in Christ-like maturity. That's discipleship. And you're here to serve Christ's church, which is ministry. And you've been sent out to go and tell others. That's mission. And this is how we glorify God, by making disciples of all nations. And if we're living for anything less than this, we're failing to fulfill the purpose for which God made us. And to engage in these discipleship steps of love, grow, serve, go is how we're going to introduce other people to Christ and bring them into this fellowship and help them to grow into maturity so they can discover their place of service and then send them out so they can go and reach others too. 
Can there be any greater reason for our lives? What a privilege to be part of this family, to engage in this glorious mission to the glory of God. Get stuck in. And if you're watching a good rugby game and you want to urge them on, you say, get stuck in. I want to say to the church family, get stuck in. There's nothing more exciting. There's nothing greater than this. It's a privilege. It's so exciting. It turns mundane, boring routine into woohoo. Get stuck in for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we've only begun to see something of your glory and your greatness. And uh, we, we, from what we have seen, Lord, you are worthy of all our worship, our adoration, obedience, service. Father, we thank you for your great servant heart and humble heart and love that sent your Son whom you love to be our savior, to die in our place. We thank you that he is raised from the dead and that you've granted him all authority over every people, all peoples of this earth. Father, we want to thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit and that he applies this wonderful work of Christ to individual lives. Thank you that he's making people born again in this church and in this world. And Father, we look to you as we seek to live out our lives as part of this family, that you would increasingly shape us to fulfill these purposes for which you made us. That in this city, you would be glorified as a result of our fellowship. That in this world, you would be glorified as a result of this fellowship. We ask this in Christ's lovely and precious name. Amen.